back. It's time for customers who click. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes. It means the world to me, and it helps others discover the podcast. Also, what I'd really love is some feedback on the, on the podcast. So please do email me at will at or drop me a message on LinkedIn. What do you like about the podcast? What do you dislike? What sort of guests do you want to hear from? Um, is it more e-commerce brands, more service providers? Uh, just drop me a quick email, uh, and in return, I'm happy to offer a, a quick marketing consultant call. On to today's episode. It's a bit of a different topic today, but one that's uh, gathering pace for sure. And that is this idea of personal reputation and personal branding to help businesses grow. This is definitely something that's way more advanced than a B2B space. In B2C, you've obviously got the likes of Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, who everyone knows. But how many of you know the big names in companies like John Lewis or Mark Spencer's? My guest today is Bant Breen, the founder of Canary, a company that focuses on building up the online presence of executives. Let's get Bant on now to explain why this is so important. Hi, Ben. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, would you mind just quickly introducing yourself, a bit of your background and why you're doing what you're doing at the moment? Sure. Well, hi, Will. Thank you so much for having us on the show. I'm the founder and chairman of Canary Now. Canary is a company that focuses on executives' online presence and reputation. We've built out a technology that supports executives' managing, growing, building more on their online activities. Before I did that, I worked for a long time in the world of marketing and advertising. I used to run a lot of different ad agencies and uh, digital agencies. And about a decade ago, I had this uh, idea that uh, seemed so simple, which is that you as a professional, your online presence really mattered. And I felt at the time, professionals didn't fully understand or grok the full importance of why it mattered so much. And perhaps now after the, the pandemic, people are perhaps a lot more aware of why a digital presence and a digital identity matters. But we started it about a decade ago and the business has steadily grown. We started in New York. We're now a global company. We work with thousands of executives all around the world. Yeah, sounds awesome. So what do you think is the big opportunity for D2C brands there? Yeah, the direct-to-consumer space has been a fascinating space to watch expand. There was a lot of excitement early on and then kind of like a little bit of a pullback because people, I think, freaked out about some of the costs associated with delivery. And then it exploded again in growth, right, with the pandemic as everyone was really dependent on this idea of direct-to-consumer brands. When you're starting a D2C play, you're really looking for every aspect of the business has to be what I kind of call like a multi-dimensional value driver. So what I mean by that is you might be an amazing executive, but I need you to do more than just be that amazing executive internally. I need you to be doing something else as well, like double plays constantly. And, and so an example of that really is this, the, the area of what we, that we focus on, which is the online presence. An executive or a founder or even a leadership team of a D2C has to try to find ways to build trust. And there's no better way to build trust than to be transparent and open. A lot of people that I think focus too much on just kind of cultivating the brand and pushing out this kind of faceless brand 
really kind of suffer the consequences. It, it, it does seem to be a little bit more generic. It's much, much more expensive to do that over time. And so really leveraging, I think, on that, that human voice is quite critical. Yeah, well, I mean, you could, if you, all you've got to do is look at LinkedIn, right? You can compare posts where someone either shares an article about a business or shares one of the company's posts. And it's just about something good the company did and it might get some attention, it might do all right. But when people highlight a person for that brand, it does so much more. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are extraordinary. I mean, if I compare the levels of engagement that a post that is put out there by a brand versus a post by an executive gets, the individual get the individual senior executive, the founder or the CEO will get a ton more engagement. I think even literally by like 10 to 13 X more engagement. So I, I, I think it's an underutilized area and channel. I think that by not developing that channel, it certainly erodes trust in multiple ways. It all it, today, you have to assume that the primary audience for a D2C is going to be pretty digitally savvy. Right? These are people that have grown up on, on digital technology. You would be shocked to, under, to know how many of them look up executives of the companies that they look for. One, because they want to see if they share similar social perspectives on issues. And so that those types of elements actually matter as well. And two, they just really want to understand how that individual is treating things. I, I, I joke sometimes, but there have been many examples of people that I know that have gone to try to get jobs at companies and the role will be at a digital company. And the person will be like, I tried to find the founder online and they haven't done anything online for the last two years. And, and they're telling me that they're like a digitally savvy and a digital first business. It's a little, it's, it seems to not uh, resonate. It seems to not kind of align in, in the way that you would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be tough for people, right? Particularly introverted people, even like myself. It's, it's taken me a while to to really get going with LinkedIn because I don't like talking about myself that much. I don't like yeah. that sort of thing. So I get that some people don't like it. And so it doesn't, it just doesn't even come to them as an idea, really. But the, the mm-hmm. idea of trying to build your own brand on LinkedIn or, or wherever as the founder just might not come to you. Yeah. You're thinking, well, it's, I want to build the brand's brand, not my brand. Yeah, I agree. I think that don't let my American accent fool you here, which is, I understand that there is an element of self-promotion here, but this is really about building an identity in the digital world, right? So, which is to say that we're living in a world where there will be fluid work opportunities for people. There will be opportunities to work in in completely new types of ways where you're working wherever you want to work and in, you know, virtual and digital way, digital ways. And so I, the, the, the ability as well as the need for an executive to take ownership of their own identity as we make that shift is going to become even more and more important. And so I, I certainly understand the, the, the struggle for some people and, and also the time, right? It, it, it's one of these things where no one wants to spend all their days. We all have real work that we have to complete. It, it, it is one of these things where we see time and time again that the individuals that do 
make this type of an effort are the ones that seem to get rewarded faster. Their careers grow quicker. They seem to have more opportunities presented to them. Their companies do better, right? And so I think that in, in, in we do a global survey and it was in China that if an individual follows a company's brand on in social media, as well as the executive, they're twice as likely to purchase from that company. So there's a real business impact to this work. And I just think it's a real, it's an opportunity. And it's one of these things that will probably seem quite commonplace for our children as they manage those identities between the metaverse and the real world, but probably seems a little bit odd to us as we're still on the other side of that divide. Yeah. So how would you recommend going about getting started with this, right? And building that presence as the executives. Sure. I mean, uh, apart from making a horrible plug for my company, but but the reality is that the, the first thing you need to do is get a clear sense of what your online presence looks like today. Where What comes up when someone's searching for you? What kind of presence do you have on professional networks like LinkedIn, like Twitter? Have you published any thought pieces, thought leadership pieces on channels like Medium? Are there any videos out there about? And from that presence, you can get and get a, a gauge of where you should really start. I know it's in some cases, it's going to be you're starting from nothing. In some other cases, you're going to be starting from quite a bit. And so it'll be about the channels where you'll really want to focus and really build your professional voice. And, and, you know, I think the interesting thing for us is that a couple of years ago, I would have said, well, squarely, it's all about LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the first place and the last place. But what we noticed in the last two years of our research study that we conduct with Emerson College in Boston and, and Blancarna in, in Barcelona, we've seen a shift, not necessarily away from LinkedIn, but a shift to other channels being incorporated in a much more direct way, probably in a much more multimedia way. In fact, shockingly for me even, was to see the importance of channels like TikTok suddenly appear out of nowhere. As I think we see a generation of people, I, would, I look at it as millennials who are now coming into major leadership positions. They're more comfortable with multimedia. They're, they demand it. They don't really, they really can't do that seamlessly in a LinkedIn environment. So they're looking for other channels. Yeah, so that's obviously more important with uh, D2C and generally B2C businesses because uh, the audience is, I don't say less on LinkedIn because people on LinkedIn are still consumers, but that that reach you get isn't really there on, on yeah. LinkedIn compared to something like Facebook and TikTok. So it's really interesting to see you know, so people getting yeah, involved. Yeah, I mean, there. I don't the I I be I don't know the sales statistics from TikTok, but during over the last two years, we've seen this explosion of professional content on TikTok, where huge sectors, whether you're investing in cryptocurrencies or exchange traded funds, so finance verticals, even and health food verticals, right? There's always a new D2C product that seems to be being pushed and advertised. I don't know how success what the return is on those on the con the conversion on those ads. However, I do know that the companies that really invested in putting their executives on there are doing quite well. They're really so there's I mean there's many examples really from almost every business vertical. So certainly if you're trying to find a place where you can maybe get a little extra added advantage that would have been a great place over the last couple of years.
Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a bit like being an influencer, right? Isn't it? Just you're being an influencer for your the, the business you work for. So if you can find those people who really do like those channels uh, and, and can yeah, create the content although, for them. Yeah, although I think a lot of it has to do with tone and voice, right? So when people think of this stuff, they often think, oh, well, there's a very salesy quality to it. The people that are the most successful are actually ones that are providing some form of thought leadership, some form of guidance that's not really directly associated with their their product. I think the ones that really get it wrong are, are kind of those influencers that are like, and, hey, if you use this cereal, you'll grow three inches tomorrow, right? Those are the ones that just seem quite, eh, I mean, for me, it seems very retro, right? It just seems like stuff that, that the older audiences out there would have seen decades ago, right? Uh, yeah, but I don't mean uh, influencer from an advertising point of view, just promoting a product, but someone who, like you say, is happy to get into that space, talk about products in that industry or or whatever it could be. If, if you're in the food space, it could be someone who just loves to cook yeah. and is constantly kind of building their presence there, but then also just almost like dropping in their brand. Yeah. I mean, a great example would be this. There's a woman who is a, she's a chef. She only cooks chicken basically, but she cuts it, cooks it in like a million different ways. And I've been trying to learn how to cook more effectively this year. And so I started seeing her videos and, and she prominently shows that the brand of knives that she uses. And I suddenly found myself like, I've got to have that knife. If I'm going to cook like her, I got to have that knife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's, it's that sort of influence, isn't it? The, that kind of, you are kind of promoting that business, but you're not actually, you're not selling it, right? You're not um, actively promoting it. You just happen to have it on display in your, in, your, in videos that you actually want to be doing. Or yeah, you know, and in it, content you know, that you you genuinely like creating. Yeah, and I, I think also there is a little bit of the there's many examples of D2C brands that take their take their online communities for a ride on the journey that they're on, right? So whether they're starting like a certain product that is like a new health food drink and they'll outline kind of like the path that they, you know, their personal journey to come up with the idea and some of the challenges they're facing as a business. And that's, it's tough for people because like we all want to be the happy-go-lucky Instagrammers, but the ones that get that mix correct, get rewarded. Yeah. I, mean, I can think of, and this, maybe this is a bit more B2B, but I can definitely think of a few brands that I'm aware of because of a, an employee. Uh, or potentially even the founder. And I, I just wouldn't have known of this otherwise. And now it's kind of, it, it's got my attention. So if I now want to buy something in that space, I go to that brand. And the reason I know about it is just because of the person involved, that executive, not the advertising. I suppose yeah, often it's, it, it's that, that content and the the why I know of this person in the first place, which is also very influential on my, on a potential purchase decision for me. Yeah, I, I would say that, even people that don't talk about their brands or products, but are, are actually just really solid experts online and don't try to oversell you. I, I definitely have found myself becoming quite loyal to some of these individuals because you feel, you realize that they understand 
this idea that we're in this kind of amorphous community now, right? We talk about the battles for talent that every company has. Well, the reality is that talent's going to move a lot uh, now because they, they have so much flexibility in the way they want to work and live, et cetera. And so the winners are going to be the ones that can navigate that and figure out a model that allows people to to, to really kind of be inside companies, outside companies, attract consumers. And th there has been a lot of talk about some, there was an exaggeration that millennials were not loyal at all, or Gen Z was not loyal at all. But in fact, actually, we're finding that some of those, those generations are actually extremely loyal. They're just loyal to very different brands and they weight things differently, right? They're putting more focus on things like purpose and how the company does what it does, right? Yeah, like I think that. there are, I think the issue was probably that there were too many business where businesses where it didn't feel like there was any reason to be loyal to them. I mentioned to you just before we started recording, actually, that uh, I saw a LinkedIn post saying that it's never been easier to start a business, but it's never been harder to build a brand. Mm. Right? And that's kind of the problem. You've got so many businesses out there which sell products that have a lot of competition, but they don't put the effort into building that brand. And giving people a reason to actually stay loyal. If yeah. I've got if I've got the choice between buying from two businesses and one day it happens to be more convenient to buy it from the other one, I'm just going to buy it from the other one. But if you've built a business that I like, if there's maybe some personalities there that I've followed on, on social media or whatever and I, and I like, I'm much more likely to buy from them. Right. And it kind of comes back to this like influencer thing that I talked about, mentioned earlier. I imagine businesses like Gymshark. Do you know Gymshark? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, you'll see a lot of people on, on social media, particularly Instagram, probably TikTok as well, who have Gymshark Ambassador in their profile. Now, I imagine now they're at the situation where these probably are just influencers, right? Almost like influencers on retainer who just, you know, they do their normal Instagram uh, content. They just wear Gymshark products for it. So they're kind of right. sponsored. But I imagine initially that started with actual employees doing it. Right. And, and them being the ones, you know, if you're going to get involved in a fitness brand like Gymshark, you're probably interested in fitness. So if you can get some people who can do marketing or logistics or operations or whatever, and who also happen to like posting content on Instagram, you've got that kind of uh, in-house influencer already, haven't you? Absolutely. I mean, the, the there's so many great examples like the ones that you're you're highlighting and I'd say that we're seeing more and more every day trying to do it. It's, I think, you know, what's changed with the D2C model and the thinking around those brands is that there was kind of a thought that we were moving to a world where essentially there would be no stores anymore, right? That originally it was like, it's going to be a replacement for the inefficiencies of having brick and mortar. And, and what we've actually now seen is, that the D2C, the D2C effort is really more uh, used as a barometer for investors to see if they've succeeded in building a brand, right? And if they've built a brand, then the company invests in a, a much broader omni-channel strategy to commercialize that brand. Probably the most famous example in the US was Warby Parker, all right, where we think of Warby Parker as an extremely cool optical chain where they would send you the glasses in the mail. But 
it wasn't really a commercial success. I mean, that, I think that was kind of something people forget. And it was more that they had built this beautiful branding and experience that you could get in the mail. And then they raised money and they've opened up Warby Parker stores all over the country. And, and now it's a very powerful brand. And so I, I think you're right, Will, to lean in on the brand aspect because those, that is the area that if you are able to cultivate that community, it then it may not commercially make, make you it, make it the company ridiculously profitable right off the bat, but it will position the company to have the audience where you'll be able to kind of make that step jump to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, well, actually, I'll ask you instead, uh, what do you think there are particular brands that this works really well for, or it maybe is easier to find that angle for the executives to kind of approach this from? I, I really think that almost all companies are facing this need to be more transparent. And it, even when they tell good news, when they tell bad news, when they're growing their story, it's quite critical for companies to do that. In the early days of COVID, we saw a lot of bad news hitting companies, right? Where they were suddenly found, found themselves in positions where they would have to shut down various things or lay off a, a lot of people. And the executives that that were more transparent about that process, I, fa- I found that they survived. I, I found that they survived, right? The ones that kind of were a little bit more draconian about it, perhaps more closed, were the ones that suffered. And so I think that one, one example I think is Airbnb is a good example where they laid off, Brian Chesky had to lay off a ton of people in, 20, in, in mid 2021. And he really communicated that very clearly, openly. And I think that all companies are going to face that. So from a business perspective, that's quite important. I also think, as I mentioned, we're in the state, in the US right now, the US has its lowest unemployment rate since the Korean War. And so getting people to work and talent is becoming much more competitive for everybody. If you owned a restaurant chain right now, trying to, trying to find people to work behind the cash registers is a nightmare for you. <laughs> and so um, trying to try the, the transparency element becomes quite important because I think that what people have to remember is that when people interview for jobs, they're not necessarily interviewing with the brand or the company they're interviewing with the people and the people matter a lot in terms of that culture right the most clear representation of a culture is the people and so it's just going to be more and more important across all sectors i don't know perhaps if you work in national security defense maybe not i don't know Yeah, I think, mate, yeah, probably some sectors, it's a little bit more difficult, things like insurance or utilities. What was one of our utility companies? So I don't know if it's the same over in the US, but gas prices, so as in the the gas used to heat your house, not like gasoline. Right, natural Um, gas. Yeah. yeah, natural gas prices have gone like through the roof. We're facing like hundreds of pounds increases per year right. at the moment, unless you're on kind of, unless you manage to get on a fixed rate. And there was one company recently, I can't remember which one it was, I probably shouldn't say anyway, but they sent out a pair of socks to loads of their customers. And I think it was accompanied by some, with some advice to basically wrap up to, to deal with the cold. 
and this is when prices were going through the roof and, and it's that sort of stuff where it, it really comes across as there is no it's like there's no person here there's just a company yeah right and and people don't like that whereas i've been doing some customer interviews recently for a, a client and i think almost all of those customers actually so probably six or seven have mentioned that they want the what is important to them is knowing that the company has good values right they're they're sustainable they ethically source their products and things and one person said it would be important to them to know how they treat their staff right so just wanting to know and that comes back to the example of airbnb right yeah. in in that case he handled it really well and then you've got that other case where that guy laid off four or five hundred people on zoom yeah better uh, just, um, yeah uh, and basically just said if you're on this zoom call you are someone being made redundant yeah right? and, and it, it, I, I, it was an interesting one because there was a generation there's a generation of leaders that were taught to do it the way that that guy the better.com guy did it and he's he had his job and I think he's actually now back in the job because he he'd had tremendous success and there there is a kind of a draconian element to to digital business that no one really wants to discuss the demands for a digital business if you want to really become super successful and you see yourself as becoming the next Bezos is really it's demanding you you have you're raising a ton of money quickly the goals are extremely high if you miss those goals the consequences are aggressive because you have people that are are banking on companies to own an industry, right? So there is a class of D2C companies that are trying to kind of own specific verticals. And those companies are on a trajectory where it's literally like succeed or die, basically. And it's, a, it's an interesting element of the culture. No one likes to really talk about that stuff because we like to talk about all the light, nice soft things of cultural building. But the pressure that those companies are under, when you, we read the headlines and you read, oh, X company raised 20, 30 million or 100 million or 200 million, the story that you don't think here is that 100 million came with a forecast that the company has to be over a billion dollars in sales that year, right? Yeah. And so it's it, it, the, ex, it, the expectations and the consequences of trying to scale that quickly are hard. It's not easy to have a wonderful culture, a kumbaya culture, when you're trying to grow that fast. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, I guess people don't understand the, I know these people have paid a lot of money, so sometimes it's hard to sympathize, but people don't, don't understand the pressure on the guys at the top to deliver. And Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Bezos, all these guys have made a ton of money. I mean, people have to remember he, you know, the company lost money for what, what over a decade. Right. So he had people that were riding, right, right. He kept them riding because he was building this massive empire. And then it, one day he reached that tipping point. And there have been tons of stories about that culture and how it grew, the kind of maybe the original D2C brand. And a lot of the stories on their culture were not positive, right? It was very, uh, a very competitive, very aggressive, very cutthroat. And so it's, it, it's, I think it's going to, it's always going to be a challenge for any company that's trying to emerge and kind of disintermediate a marketplace 
to meet those demands on scale whilst also maintaining their humanity, if, if I'll be yeah. honest with you. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the example with Amazon and delivery is you know, the warehouses, the, the, the demands and delivery drivers. And it's easy to complain when yeah. the delivery driver doesn't, doesn't knock on your door or, or knocks and just leaves the parcel and walks off. Yeah. Because but what we don't realize is they've been told that next package is going to be delivered in two minutes down the road. Right? So they've just <laughs> got to get on with it. Exactly. I mean, you completely get it. Yes. That's what I see constantly. And, and so, and I do think that's the, when people see the number of a, that the company has raised, just look at that as jet fuel being poured on a fire in terms of like the expectations for that company. Right. It just means that company has got to move really fast. So, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, it's tough as a small company as well, isn't it? When you've got a small company and you raise even just 5 million. Yes. Right. The, the pressure is on. Yeah. Right? Cool. Getting, uh, I guess getting back to the, the, the brand side a little bit and the, and the people. Have you got any advice on like what not to do? So obviously, apart from posting bad, like uh, offensive content or anything, what are some of the mistakes you see, you see brands or executive making that yeah you know, i mean i think fix. yeah great question will i you know one of the things that we would we try to kind of have clients steer clear from is to be overly self-promotional and overly salesy and so sales salesy will be you launch a new cookie flavor and you tell all your friends a million times like hey by the way we have new buy it at tesco your friends are looking at you going like <laughs> Listen, I know you. Like, stop trying yeah. to push birthday cake flavored cookies on me. <laughs> and so it, it, it's important that you're you speak with a more genuine voice and authentic voice, and not turn your channels into salesy channels for sure. That's probably my biggest advice. Uh, the other thing is to be consistent. If you're going to kind of go and you know that you're not going to be able to do a lot, just be consistent at, a, at the same pace of posting and things like that. That consistency is something that's picked up by pretty much all the major algorithms on, on, online these days. And it's just important that people maintain that level of if they're going to go, they got to keep going. Yeah, I think that's particularly the sales advice, right? They don't, it's really tempting, but and you do it and then you kind of read back and you go, oh, why did I do that? Like it just, it's just a sales message. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, nobody really wants a hardcore sale. And I think we there's been enough business school books written about how those hardcore sales, if they end up essentially in a negative relationship with the customer or selling them something that they really don't want or don't need, ends up being bad for the brand and ends up being bad for the company. So ultimately um, really trying to kind of find that voice that explains the situation, can build trust over time is really the kind of the way to go and also maintain excitement, right? Everyone loves excitement. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, just before we finish then, uh, I've got a couple of questions I ask uh, every guest. Firstly, is there anyone in the D2C marketing space that you'd like to go for lunch with? Uh, or if you haven't got a specific person, have you got a company? So it's like someone, like the founder of a particular company. Yeah, there's so many that I really like. And I, I was, I'm thinking of, you know, one company that I, I, 
I think I'm probably going to end up talking about kind of friends companies too much, but probably Airbnb, maybe going out with Brian, hearing what they're kind of really up to and understanding that model would be more interesting to me than speaking with others. But I've been so, I've been, the thing that I find most interesting about the D2C space and in the previous life, I I was the CEO very briefly of a logistics and fulfillment company is, is how many people you meet in the D2C space that are extremely gifted in terms of digital media, digital marketing and digital and technology, but know nothing about the space that they're going into and have no idea of like how to make a product, have no idea how to ship a product and end up kind of dismissing some of those things at their own peril. That's, I think, where companies, I, I remember sitting with a guy who I think he'd been top three in his class at Stanford. And he was just like, oh yeah, well, there's an API. I'll just plug in to, to ship these things. And you're just like, yeah, no, it's <laughs> not going to work. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> Right. But yeah, I, I, I think I'd go with probably some of the big guys from my perspective right now to me. Cool. Yeah. And finally, have you got any tools that you'd recommend to marketers? So any tools that would help with, with building that brand maybe? Yeah. I mean, obvi- I mean, obviously our own Canaries platform is great. So I'm plug there, but apart from us on the marketing and commun- communication side, we've seen a variety of tools. I don't think there's any specific one that I want to kind of put too much, too much praise on because they all have their own weaknesses, but whether it be some of these kind of CRM platforms like Zoho, we really like Zoho. That's been quite a good tool for us. Another tool that we work with on the relationship side is Churn Zero, and that's been a great product as well. Definitely recommend it for folks. In terms of database stuff, Discover.org is great, obviously. A lot of people, I imagine, use that. Cool. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, this has been great stuff. Really interesting. I, you know, I completely agree. It's so important to, to get more people involved in the brand. So I actually talk about how it's important to make email marketing more, more personal. So having emails, instead of really beautifully designed HTML emails, having them almost as if they're written by, by a member of staff, those tend to perform well. So it's, a, it's an extension of that, really, making sure you've really got a face in the business. If anyone wants to reach out and find out more, we'll see what's the best way of doing that. Yeah, I, I mean, you could definitely find me on LinkedIn. I also have a website, bantbreen.com, or you can find me at bant, B as in boy, A as in apple, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, at Q as in queen, nary.com, bant at qnary.com. And I'll be sure to get back to you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Pat. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on. Trust is so important, more than ever these days, partly due to consumer behavior and preferences, but also just the benefit it has to your marketing. In B2B, people buy from people. If you build a good relationship with someone, they're more likely to buy from you than the company that made no effort. The same effect can be seen in B2C. Having that personal representation of a company lets consumers know that there are real people in the business. It makes them feel closer to a brand, it makes the brand more likeable, and more likeable brands get bought from. The explosion of online behaviour in the last couple of years and channels such as TikTok have really opened up the opportunities for businesses. So if you've got employees who would thrive on building their own personal brand in support of the business, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? If you'd like to learn more from Bant, uh, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send that over to will at customersuclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn.
Next up, I've got Evan Padgett with me, and we'll be talking about the key things required for launching a subscription offering. But until then, keep those customers clicking.